Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Jewel Parker Rhodes, whose children's books include Ninth Ward, Sugar, and Bayou Magic. She's also the author of several books for adults, including the Marie Laveau series. Rhodes' next book, Towers Falling, arrives in July from Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. While Rhodes explored Hurricane Katrina in Ninth Ward and the Gulf oil spill in Bayou Magic, she turns her attention to another national tragedy in Towers Falling, which is set in present-day New York City as the 15th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks draws near. Like the audience for the book itself, Rhodes' 10-year-old fifth-grade narrator, Deja, was born after the attacks. As the book progresses, Deja gains a greater understanding of what the attacks meant and the ways they still echo and connect to the here and now, while contending with some present-day problems of her own. Uh, Jewel, thank you for speaking with me. It's my pleasure. So as I mentioned, this is not the first time you, you've tackled or explored a, a national tragedy in your writing. But even so, were you apprehensive about uh, looking into 9-11? Uh, absolutely. Uh, when my editor first suggested it, um, my reaction was just, nope, no way, too hard, not going to go there. But it kind of like burrowed in my heart. And it really became a part of me. It became a part of my waking life, my dreaming life. And I like the challenge of trying to do something that I knew would be very, very difficult. And so one day I was flying to London and all of a sudden I discovered that, well, what if I tell it from, you know, a school point of view, a fifth grade classroom? And in particular, I love fifth graders. And that would then open up how do you teach this? How do you talk about it? How do the children experience it? And once I got that idea, I was on my way. Was part of that early idea realizing that, oh, this needs to be something that is happening after the fact, sort of looking back at the day and its aftermath from a distance? Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, one of the things that's different about history and when our children study history in school, you know, there aren't videos of the Revolutionary War. There aren't videos of the Civil War. And yet, right now, any child can, you know, go onto a smartphone, go onto a computer, and they can see the towers falling. And that disturbing image is not the whole story. For me, the story is also about American citizens' response to the 9-11 tragedy. And that response echoes the response that Americans have had throughout our history to tragedies. You know, that resilience that we have, the patriotism, and the way that we embrace one another. Another. So for me, I wanted to give a context of, you know, this recent history in a way that iPhones, computers didn't give. I wanted the kids to feel what we as Americans felt, which was an outpouring of love, support, and becoming stronger as a nation, all because of our values, of course, all because of what constitutes us as American citizens. Yeah, there's a moment uh, early on when we see that even though Deja has grown up in Brooklyn, she had no idea that the the Twin Towers once stood downtown, and that the same thing is true of some of her classmates. Um, you know, as an adult reader, it feels you know shocking in some way, but in reality, it's entirely reasonable. Oh, absolutely. And especially since Deja's dad uh, was a survivor of 9-11, and he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to, to go back to that trauma, and he's still suffering the lingering effects of being you know, in the 9-11 disaster. But, you know, actually, I've heard from teachers all across the country who are teaching 
the new teachers <laughs> that will go into our schools. And I've been told that some of them still think that 9-11 was an accident. So when you're talking about, you know, the credibility of history, there are all kinds of people who are like five years old, maybe, who don't know the whole story or have the whole context, let alone the children that are born post 9-11. Along those lines, as readers, we're, we're essentially kind of going through this 9-11 curriculum with Deja and her class. Um, it sounds like that was something that was very much at the forefront of your mind. Oh, absolutely. I'm a teacher, and I love teachers. And I think that using the classroom was a way to say, how do we talk about this? Sometimes in schools you know, or in communities, people will say, oh, this is too traumatic to teach our children. Uh, but children are wise and smart and savvy, and they know what's going on in the world. They know that there's been wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. They know about, you know, terrorism. So it's sort of like using the classroom as a way to open up that this is something that should be part of our common narrative, our common American story. And I think that might also then encourage parents to talk to their children. So opening up that dialogue in an educational setting was very important to me. But it's also... I think a wonderful story that children can connect to. And that wonderful sounds like a strange word to use because it's 9-11. But 9-11, if you look at the images and the aftermath, it was horrible. And I wanted to sure to show the affirmation that it was horrible but beautiful in terms of American ideals and American response. And that's what these kids learn. If you think about it, fifth graders today will be able to, like, you know, in another 10 years, marry, serve our country, possibly die or become wounded for our country. They are the citizens, literally, who will carry the burden of terrorism through the next generation. So if we don't give them sort of the backstory and let them know we can overcome, as we did with the revolutionary, the civil war, et cetera, et cetera, that America is not just one thing, but a loving community that supports one another, then I feel much more confident about those children taking on the global changes that they're going to experience as they live their life. One word I kept uh, coming back to when reading the book was awakening. You know, for Deja, it's not just 9-11 that, that her eyes are being opened to, but also what, what a school can be and what home means and what the country means and, and this idea that um, history is very much alive. Is that, is that fair? Oh, absolutely. History is alive. History is relevant. History is personal. And that's what Deja learns. She goes from thinking that her life is very narrow uh, and feel very, feeling very disenfranchised to discovering that through a network of interpersonal relationships, which include her friends Ben, includes Deja. Uh, Sabine, you know, the young Muslim girl includes her teacher, that her world expands and she becomes more and more connected. And then when she thinks of how that moves out from New York State to all across America, Woody Guthrie's, this land is your land, <laughs> you know, this land is our land, that she becomes a strong, empowered citizen. And that's a, that's a, that's a triumph. And it doesn't mean that her life is perfect. She still has issues with, you know, uh, studying. She still has issues, you know, that her family is poor. She still has issues that her father is sick and needs more health care. But 
there's this sense of I can move forward because there are now people that I can connect to, ask for help. There are people supporting me. And she didn't see that before. I especially love how her father tells her what happened to him. I think oftentimes parents, you know, maybe just don't speak about hard things, that they keep it secret and they don't realize that it's having an effect on a child. And for me, that's the seminal moment when, you know, father and daughter sit and all the barriers of communication fall away and they then become, you know, stronger as father and daughter moving forward. They have understanding and their love actually deepens. You uh, had given a speech last year at the Children's Institute, and the text of which uh, was included in early copies of this book. And one of the things you talk about in there is this sort of um, idea that as adults we can sometimes get in our children's way, as you put it, um, you know, bringing our own histories and preconceptions to the table. Um, was another thing you were interested in exploring, the sort of, I guess, this flip side of a parental instinct to protect and shield children from things we think, you know, oh, they're not ready to know about that, or they're not ready to read about that. Oh, abs- absolutely. And also the whole idea that uh, Deja goes to a very special school, one that is multi-ethnic, diverse, you know, typical of a lot of schools in America. And that then also becomes a ground for her to learn and to understand things better. So it's also, I think, a nod to we need to not segregate our st- kids in schools. We need to embrace and include, you know, all kinds of, you know, students, whether they be new immigrants, you know, older immigrants, uh, different races, different religions, everything, that that more than anything is an echo of what our founding fathers, you know, thought about, you know, that is America. So it's also a nod to the work that teachers do, the work that librarians do, the work that kids themselves do, that if you let them play together, they know it's smart for everybody to be friends. You know, they, they're going to be interested in differences and, and learn about one another. And if we keep trying to segregate our kids, we're just going to duplicate more and more civil rights issues and problems moving forward. Because when the kids come together by inclination, I think they think of friendship, love, companionship, and hey, let's have fun. Hmm. Well, you know, in that same speech at the Children's Institute, you also you know, certainly talk about representation in books. Can you talk about that in relation to the dynamic you wanted to set up between uh, Deja and the friends uh, she makes in the book? Well, the representation, I think, for children of color is so important. And so, you know, Deja, it's a, it's important for me for her to be an African-American girl, just as it's important for Sabim to be, you know, a, a Muslim girl. I think there's so many children who don't see themselves in books and don't see themselves as heroes. And we as adult writers, we in the publishing industry, we need to, we need to change that, you know. I did not know that Black people wrote books. I did not know that there could even be black characters until I was an undergraduate in college. And that's shocking. So all my life, I was dabbling in writing, but I never dreamt that I could sort of speak from my history or speak from my culture. And I almost lost my profession. Can I mean, when I think about that now, I get horrified. You know, the idea that I didn't know I was supposed to be a writer because I couldn't see myself 
in, you know, the sort of the cultural matrix of who gets to write and who gets to publish books. So for me, having diverse characters encourages everyone that they have the power to tell their story, that their stories matter, and they're going to write and share, and we're all going to develop better empathy together. And I also like Ben, my cowboy Ben from Arizona. I have to give a nod to, to Ben with his short haircut and his John Lennon eyeglasses. And each of those three children are so different and yet they are also connected by being friends, a kind of school family, and most of all, by being Americans. And it sounds like the school that uh, Deja attends in the book was at least partly inspired or informed by some, some real-life uh, Brooklyn schools? Absolutely. It was well it was inspired in particular by the Brooklyn New School, PS146. Uh, they're back wall is nothing but glasses and it's directly across from where the Twin Towers used to be. And so when I went to them and they opened their hearts to open their classroom, they talked about how the teachers were still traumatized and were not yet incorporating, you know, 9-11 in the curriculum. You know, one teacher was teaching math and when the plane was flying into the tower, she she just kept teaching, you know. Uh, The children were all glued to the windows and somebody then mentioned, doesn't, you know, Joey or John's dad work over there? And then it's dawned on them, oh, we must, you know, get the children away. I think that that is the perfect incident of where adults traumatize, then find it difficult to move forward in an educational setting for the children. And I think they are starting to do that. They have done that. They talk about um, all kinds of issues. And they also are a school where they just encourage this sort of like exchange of cultures. So the map of where do you come from and, and the celebration of whether it's Africa, Jamaica, or Norway is based on them. Their students were a small United Nations. They were so wonderful and interesting and bright and loving. You know, my characters are based on them. So I actually think if I had not found PS 146, I couldn't have written this book because they gave me a kind of educational framework for how you might teach difficult things in the classroom. And in particular, they were talking about how they taught the Holocaust. And I thought then that this was there were ways in which was similar, that you don't start with the, the big picture, you start with something small. You start with, say, a notion of home and what is home, and you move out from there. And they also, in their curriculum, were very interdisciplinary. So that's why when I created the unit, the music teachers involved, the science teachers involved, the English teachers involved. Everybody's involved, giving students a comprehensive view of all the influences that created 9-11. And will you be getting out there to, to speak with uh, kids when, when the book comes out? Absolutely. That's my favorite, favorite part. And in fact, I'm uh, going to be hitting the road very soon. I'm talking to uh, nine schools next week. The month of September, I'll probably be living in New York. And of course, I will go to PS 146. And I've got to give a shout out for Anna Allenbrook, the principal, and Susan Westover, the librarian. They were so just welcoming. Um, and I think that they epitomize, you know, what we want our educators, you know, to be invested in, you know, just learning and how can we make 
our children better prepared for the world they're going to live in. So I hope to see them and hug them and read from the book. And most importantly, thank them because they rooted me in a real life school in real life children's lives. Uh, so there is a school where you can find a Deja, a Ben and Sabine, and they're wonderful. And, you know, I know this book isn't even out on, on shelves yet, but is there anything else you're you're working on or thinking about that you can say a little about? Ooh, yes. I'm working on a book uh, regarding um, the recent deaths of young black boys. Um, so I've been trying to create a story that also contextualizes the Black Lives Matter movement with the start of the civil rights movement and the death of Emmett Till. And I often tell kids, you know, I say, well, look at me. Do I seem really, really old to you? And of course, they probably say, yes, you do seem really, really old to us. But I talk about how 1954, when I was born, that was when Emmett Till died and the civil rights legacy began. So there's been a lot of of change, but maybe perhaps not enough change, uh, and yet it's still part of our history as as well. So right now, with the Black Lives Matter movement and understanding the deaths of Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin and and so many more, I want to contextualize it and remind kids: we can't move backward; we have to move forward. And I think that. The kids of today may make a world where a black youth in particular won't necessarily have to be afraid of a police officer or afraid of somebody of another race attacking them, that all children, all human beings can walk this earth um, and expect to receive peace, respect, and justice. Well, thank you again for speaking with me, Jewel, and uh, congratulations on this new book. Thank you. Once again, I've been speaking with Jewel Parker Rhodes, whose latest book, Towers Falling, arrives in July from Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. 